as the day seems long, our trials hard to bear. We're tempted to complain, to murmur and despair, but Christ will soon appear to catch his bride away. All tears forever over in God's eternal Sorrow will erase 
Should be good now. There we go. All right. Well, again, we, boy, that was great. I enjoyed that. Wonderful. Take your Bible. Turn over the book of Psalm, chapter 61. Psalm, chapter 61. We got some new lights in here, and uh, so we're getting used to those. If I, my face looks cherry red, it's because it's ricocheting off of this and onto my face, and it's creating a, a hue. Yeah, so uh, if I look like I've been to the Bahamas and I have a wonderful tan, then praise the Lord. If I look like some munchkin or something out of some crazy, uh, I don't know, forget about it, or I just pretend that you don't notice it. So anyway, Psalm chapter 61, verses 1 through 2. We're going to read that to start with. And the Bible says over there in the book of Psalm chapter 61, it says, Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Wow, that's a good one, isn't it? You know, this past Thursday, uh, you know, the Ohio governor, Mike DeWine, issued an order canceling schools after Monday classes. Now, our, I guess our uh, uh, mayor the other day came out and wants those to not even take place Monday, from what I understand. But originally, we were supposed to have schools through Monday. And uh, the ban, of course, you know, banned most gatherings that are more than 100 due to Concerns regarding this coronavirus, or as they put, COVID-19. News and events, I mean, news of event cancellations have just been, we've been bombarded with those. I mean, things like the NBA and, 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 and the National Hockey League, even NCAA basketball tournament, the whole tournament's been canceled. I mean, just the events over the last couple days have just been uh, catastrophic in their uh, impact on people and just our country, really, in general. And I mean, just local and regional events have just been canceled across the board, and there's just been a tidal wave of coverage, and no matter what you do, let's be honest, no matter what you do, you're immersed in a constant barrage of recent developments. Things are changing so quickly, and again, they're watching every little move, and, and uh, boy, it's out there before you even know what happened. I, uh, I don't want to go into it, but it just, I mean, I'm getting minute-to-minute stuff and it's just amazing how it consumes you. Matter of fact, when I went to the Go Rally yesterday morning um, and, and we started singing the song, I Lead the Go Rally to start it, I'm not joking. I felt like a weight was lifted off my shoulders hearing the people of God sing the, the, the praises of God. I mean, I'd just been totally, I mean, just saturated with this element. And of course, as pastor of Community Baptist Temple, I'm spending time researching. I'm looking into it. I'm trying to make sure I'm, I'm, I'm well informed as to what's taking place and the actual numbers and what's uh, really going on in the world in which we live and, and especially our, uh, our, our local government uh, in the state of Ohio as well as our country. And so I have spent a lot of time there and I'm sure you have too to some degree. But boy, this is overwhelming. It's been overwhelming. Um, to borrow a phrase from the past, and the hits just keep on coming. You know, they just, every time you turn around, something else. And before we throw our hands in the air and surrender to the hysteria, I think it's important that we keep things in perspective, okay? And, and I, 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 I do that because, I, and I'm going to preach to you here, I, I am, but I want to I do something here. I, wanna th- keep it, I want us to think about a few things, okay? First of all, 
You know that the first SARS breakout in 2003 was reported as having the potential that 25% would die, meaning tens of millions of people would die. Uh, They said that it would be worse than AIDS. When it was all said and done, there were thousands, mere thousands around the world that died. I think we need to keep things like that in perspective. In 2006, the bird flu was declared the first pandemic of the 21st century. And it was estimated that it would take thousands of lives in the United States and up to 150 million lives around the world. And those scares in 2003, 2004, and 2005 produced hundreds rather than millions of deaths. Now, listen, I, I get it, okay? I know you say, well, yeah, but now it's different. I'm just saying, let's put it in perspective in light of, of history. In an article I read entitled, Coronavirus versus Swine Flu, The Numbers, by Hannah Colmer Friday, uh, Hannah Colmer uh, on Friday. She did this on Friday, uh, of course, the 13th. Uh, she's a, a, a news anchor up at, uh, or works for Travis City News up in Travis City, Michigan. It's a legit, it's, it's just like one of our, you know, news feeds here uh, in Cleveland. She wrote an article, and I just want to share the article very quick because it's small, it's very short. But I think it, it helps us to put things in perspective a little bit. She says, as we learn more about the coronavirus each day, it can be hard to put all the information into perspective. So here at 7 and 4 News, that's what theirs is called, we wanted to compare the current coronavirus pandemic with the last pandemic declared by the World Health Organization, the swine flu, also known as H1N1 in 2009. It's very wise to do so. <clears throat> so keep in mind, when looking at these numbers, the swine flu was a pandemic for a year, and we're just months into the coronavirus. Okay, so she clarifies that. Of all the following numbers, uh, she said, all of the following numbers are from the World Health Organization. In 2009, there were up to 1.4 billion worldwide cases of the swine flu in the one year it was a global pandemic. 1.4 billion. For the coronavirus, since the breakout in Wahoo, and this was on Friday the 13th, China, uh, in, in Wahoo, uh, Wuhan, China, months ago, there are 132,536 confirmed cases worldwide. Now, that was as Friday. Listen, it's, it's already 156, I think, now. I get that, okay? I'm basing numbers on just two days ago, at least from what her article is. With the swine flu, there were up to 575,000 deaths worldwide associated with disease over the course of the entire pandemic. Months into the coronavirus, there have been 4,947 deaths worldwide. 5,000 deaths. I know that's up, too, from a few days ago. In the United States, there were 61 million cases of confirmed swine flu. In the United States alone, 61 million confirmed cases. Friday afternoon, there were 1,264 confirmed cases of the coronavirus in the United States. Of course, that number continues to grow each day, she says. Comparing death tolls, the 2009 swine flu claimed the lives of 12,469 Americans. 12,469 Americans. The swine flu 
was declared, no, excuse me, as of Friday afternoon, there were 36 deaths due to the coronavirus in the United States. Now there are like 56, I believe, maybe even 60. The swine flu, she says, was declared no longer a pandemic in 2010, meaning the above numbers for the disease are final. And she says, however, the coronavirus is still expecting to grow. Now, I think it's important as we look at comparison to history and we consider how, I mean, 2009, wasn't that awfully long ago? Most of us were around. If I would have said to you the swine flu, you'd went, oh yeah, I remember something about that. And yet 61 million Americans had it and over 12,000 died from it. Isn't that crazy? I heard that 300,000 were hospitalized by it. In Washington State alone, in one nursing home facility in that area, there are 60% of the deaths for coronavirus. That's where 60% of the deaths are right now in that one area in Washington through that one nursing home facility. I want you to understand, when you consider that 60% of all deaths in the United States from coronavirus are in one facility, basically, or a ring of facilities in that one area, and they're in nursing homes. Now, listen, I'm not downplaying the deaths of older people, but I'm just saying the fact is, is that it started there. That was one of the first cases outside of the, the cruise ships that brought some things in. I mean, this is all was all very brand new already, and it took, I mean, when you have a compromised immune system already and you're in that position, let's face it, I don't care if it's the common flu, it can turn into uh, a pneumonia, and pneumonia has a 5% death rate, by the way. There are 1 million Americans that get pneumonia every year and 50,000 die from it. I'm just saying we need to put this in perspective in light of history. Okay, let's be very careful because, you know, the Bible says God does not give us the spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of sound mind. I'm not saying we don't need to be careful. We, we took some steps even just this morning. Hey, let's change our play a little bit here. Let's not take the plates and pass them around. I'm very cognitive and aware of the fact that we need to be careful and in the state of Ohio, don't they, 100,000 of us, they're estimating, already have this. Well, if that's the case, we're all doing pretty well. You get where I'm going with that. We're okay. If that's really the case, if their estimates are correct, then that means that probably there may even be people here that have it, and you don't even know it because it's so mild. Everybody's not dying from coronavirus. I guess that's what I want you to understand. But still, this is a major issue in our, our, our area. This is a major issue in our country. It's a major issue in the world. So how are we to respond to this? I mean, what are we to think and what are we to do? Because even though I want you to try to put it in perspective, I'm still, I still think we need to take it seriously. So, you know, what are we to do? What are we to do? Well, I want to answer that by making just four statements. And then I want to try to, at the end, kind of say, there's one other thing we need to remember. And then I, kind of that's the punch, okay? So let me have a word of prayer. And let's talk about four things that I think we need to remember in the midst of this coronavirus pandemic. And in the midst of all the information and the bombardment of all the media, I mean, it overwhelms us. And if we're not careful as even believers, we can feel almost hopeless and we can almost feel as though, well, it's over. It's not over. We're going to be all right. We're going to get through this. And I just want us not to lose hope 
and not to lose sight of what's really happening yet. Because, boy, to, to watch the news, you would think people are dropping over like flies. But it's not the case. And I think we need to keep perspective and we need to enjoy what God's given us. And I'll give you th four things to remember along the way. And I hope there'll be an encouragement to you as you go through the week. And then we'll just trust the Lord with what's going to happen tomorrow because it could just another, you know, you never know, right? We just don't know what the way things have been going lately. So let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Father, we come to you. Thank you for these that have gathered. Help us, Lord. In light of what's going on today, and Lord, our hearts go out to the families of those who have lost loved ones already. And Lord, we, we think about that. We, we're so concerned for our older folks and those that have uh, compromised immune systems already. We understand that, Lord, for what we can understand at least, that this can be very detrimental if you already have some issues and we don't want it to become any more problematic than it already is. And we're, we, we are thankful, Father, for uh, the concern it seems that our, our uh, leaders have uh, placed on this. But Lord, help us as believers not to lose hope Help us to recognize that, Lord, you're still there and that we're going to get through this and it'll be all right and that you're taking care of things. Now we need you, Lord. And we just pray you bless this time together in your word. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So first thing I want you to remember is this. Remember that none of this is taking God by surprise. Just remember, it's not taking God by surprise at all. In the book of Job, chapter 37, verse 16, Elihu, he asked Job, and this is one of his friends, Job's friends. Elihu asked Job, he says, uh, if he, he says, he asked him if he knew the wondrous works of him who is perfect in knowledge. God is perfect in knowledge. Matter of fact, A.W. Tozer wrote in The Pursuit of God, he wrote, he is omniscient which means that he knows in one free and effortless act of all matter, all spirit, all relationships, all events. He knows it all. You know, our knowledge obviously is incomplete. But I'll tell you what, we look at a situation like this and we're just concerned. We're, we're waiting on uh, kind of the edge uh, all the time of a precipice, waiting to see, am I going to fall or am I going to stand? What's going to happen next? What was going to take place tomorrow? And honestly, the unknown can just paralyze us. But God already knows, and we're his children. Scientists are still trying to discover and learn about things of concerning the vastness of space or the, the depths of the seas, or the intricacies of our bodies. But God already knows those things. God knows how things work. God knows who's going to be very sick with this, and he knows those that will have very mild cases. He understands what's taking place and what's going on. He's able and he is capable of understanding and knowing all things. I just want you to remember as we go through this, that this loving Father, this God of heaven, this, this, this Savior that you have is well aware of what's going on and you don't, have, you don't have to worry about being blindsided by something he hasn't approved in our lives. And I know that doesn't maybe put us at ease, but I can tell you this. If Mark O'Donnell gets this, this virus, it'll be because God allowed it and wanted it. And I'm not going to sit and worry about it every day as to whether or not I'm going to get it. I'm just not going to do that. Now, I think we need to take precautions. And even in my own life, I'm not going to go around. And, and somebody might have been watching me. I'm licking my fingers as I turn my pages. What about that one? Wasn't it funny? That one lady, I think she was from the CDC or something, and she was giving that, that uh, uh, briefing, and she's like, now the best thing, you know, wash your hands and don't touch your face or your face. And she went and turned her page. 
I mean, it's because we're so accustomed to doing things a certain way. You know, it's like we're breaking old habits, you know. And then I watched her drink some hand lotion after that. But anyway, <laughs> but, but, but nonetheless, uh, the fact is, is, that, is that, you know, we, 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 just, we, we need to know that God knows. And, and, you know, before we even ask, he knows what we need. And yet we ask because he tells us that he wants to hear from us. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 20, the Bible says, If our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. He knows, he knows what's going on. Boy, listen, he knows your fears. He knows your concerns. He understands what's taking place in the world in which we live. We have a God big enough that knows. And I tell you what, I don't know about you, but I'm glad he does. This virus hasn't taken God by surprise. And he has a purpose in it all. I don't know what that purpose is 100%, but I can tell you this. That instead of spending our time consumed in fear, we ought to spend our time at the feet of Jesus. Number two, not only that, we must remember who God is. Who God is. I mean, the God that we serve, he is Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the first and the last. He's the great I am. He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. He is altogether lovely. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. He's the only begotten of the father and he is the resurrection and the life. He's wonderful. He's counselor. He is the everlasting father. He's the prince of peace. He's the mighty God. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the king of kings and lord of lords. He's the captain of the Lord's hosts. He's author and finisher of our faith. I mean, he is the chief cornerstone, the good shepherd. He is the root of David and the Lord of glory. He's the word of God, the wisdom of God, the rose of Sharon, the hope of glory. He's the creator, the master, the mediator, the Messiah. He is the rock, the vine, the door, the redeemer. He's the bread of life. He's the living water. He's the light of the world and he's the son of righteousness. He's the faithful witness, the righteous judge. He's a sure foundation and he is Emmanuel, God with us. He's Jesus Christ, the living word, God himself and all in all. He is the creator. He's the savior. He's our God. We can't forget who he is. He's all those things and so much more. And as we face this pandemic we need to remember that we always have him that he's still aware of what's going on and that he is a god able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think that we're not alone in this he is with us always we're to remember that there's none of this that's taking god by surprise that we're to remember who god is but we're to remember what god has done In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, we touched on it already, but the Bible says in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. I mean, his power is limitless. It would seem like all hope was lost. But he was there for Noah. As the crowds mocked and jeered him, as he obediently built the ark, He was there for Abraham as he left his family and friends to sojourn in a foreign land in search of a city. He was there for Joseph 
as he was viciously cast into a pit, he was ultimately sold into slavery into Potiphar's house and committed to prison. He was there for Moses who stood before Pharaoh and commanded, let my people go. He was there for Moses again at the sea, the Red Sea, and on Mount Sinai, and in the wilderness. He was there for Moses. He was there for Joshua as he faced a nation in mourning at the loss of Moses. And he was there for him as he led them into the promised land. He was there for Gideon, who with a mere 300 men faced a Midianite army of 120,000. He was there for Ruth, who lost her husband in Moab and sought to follow Naomi back to Jerusalem. He was there for Samuel, the prophet, the priest of God, as he used him to steer his people. He was there for David, who would face a giant in the Valley of Elah, who would also go on to face many others, and other enemies along the way as he made his way to the throne of Israel. He was with Solomon as he built the temple and ruled God's people in wisdom. He was with Elijah who would stand before the prophets of Baal and call down fire from heaven. He was with Elisha who would receive Elijah's mantle, Elijah's mantle and he would use it to do twice as many miracles as Elijah did. He was with Hezekiah as Jerusalem was being besieged by Assyria. And in one night, the angel of the Lord smote 185,000. He was with Job, who after being scourged by Satan was restored twofold. He's with Jeremiah as he was cast into a slime pit and left to die. But God delivered him. He was with Daniel who found himself in a den of lions and used them as pillows to sleep upon. He was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who were cast into a fiery furnace, but were never alone. Boy, we could go on and on, could we not? We could speak of Peter, James, and John. We could consider the Apostle Paul and the many times that God delivered him. But we want you to know, as you read through the Word of God, it's so simple to realize and to remember what God has done already. And as we face this pandemic, as we look into the, the, the jaws of death, so to speak, the way it's been portrayed, may I say God's still on the throne. And God can do what He's always done. And if He can deliver somebody through the fire, He can deliver us through this. We remember what God can do as well, though. Not just what he's done, but what he can do. I guess the real question isn't what can God do, but rather what can't he do? What can't God do? In Matthew chapter 19, the Bible says, But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. I, you know what, when I think of that, but with God, all things are possible. When I think about Jesus saying that, I don't think about Jesus being like, but with God, all things are possible. I think it's more like, all things are possible. It, it doesn't take a whole lot of energy for me to say it, he says, because it's so true. All things are possible. With man, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. 
No big deal for me. No big deal for the Father. All things. Mark chapter 10, it's re, re, we're reminded again and we're, it's been restated again. And Jesus looked upon them and saith, With men it is impossible, but, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. Again in Luke as well, not only Matthew and Mark, but he repeats it again. For with God nothing shall be impossible. In Luke 18, he goes on to say, and he said, The things which are impossible with man, men are possible with God. I mean, he continues to remind us in the Gospels over and over and over again that with God, all things are possible. You say, this, this situation just seems hopeless and it just seems like it's going to grip our country. It's going to wreck and ruin our lives. It's going to reach into every family. It's going to hurt and harm all people. Hey, it may. I don't know 100%. But what I do know is that God knows. And what I do know is God is able to do something that we can't and something the doctors can't and something our politicians can't. He can do it because he's God and he can do all things. I'm, not, I'm just going to trust him. See him walking on the water? Raising dead Lazarus? How about calming the storm? How about restoring sight to the blind or healing the leper? What can't he do? What can't he do? With that said then, it would seem our greatest asset at this time is not a researcher. It's not a doctor, it's not a nurse, it's not a government agency or a politician. The greatest asset we have today in America is God. Of all the precautions and safety steps that have been both taken and suggested by our government, there's not one that compares to the suggestion offered by our president Friday. When he said this, it is my great honor to declare Sunday, March 15th, as a national day of prayer. We are a country that throughout our history has looked to God for protection and strength in times like these. No matter where you may be, he goes on to say, I encourage you to turn towards prayer in an act of faith. I don't know about you, but I like that. I like that he stood up and said, because I think if, if, if you're like me, we know where the real hope comes. It's not through just all those other, other sources, although God will use people to help. But the fact is, is that he is on the throne and he is the one that can help us overcome. And he's the one that will enable us to prevail. We need to remember that none of this is taking God by surprise. We need to remember who God is. We need to remember what he's done and what God can do. One last thing I feel is vital to remember and must be put into perspective in light of these days we face. We're being bombarded, as we said, with news that outlines the potential devastation of this particular virus. They're concerned with a number of folks who could ultimately be infected by it and concerned of the severity by which it will strike, understandably so. Whether it turns out to be as severe as they are projecting or not, well, is yet to be seen. However, the potential threat of the virus and its impact on our population, economy, and our future is fueling the decisions being made each day by our national and local leaders. See, the virus has the potential to infect many, doesn't it? Sure it does. 
The world's pulling together to combat, to combat this scourge. They are spending billions to curb the impact that it'll have on our communities. Billions. Leaders are making decisions as we speak that will inconvenience and even require all to sacrifice just to slow the virus down. Research is ongoing. Testing is ramping up. The media is determined to cover this pandemic every minute of every day through social media, television, radio, and the like. See, the reality of this pandemic, the reality is that this pandemic is going to come to an end and will return to a sense of normalcy again. It's going to happen. And as devastating as the coronavirus could possibly be, it's a drop in the bucket compared to the scourge of sin. I want to consider the coronavirus, and then I want you to consider sin for a moment. Cases around the world, and I'm basing it on a couple of days ago, 150,000. Deaths, 5,600. Already recovered from this virus, 74,000. Already recovered, 74,000. Do you realize there are 7.5 billion people in the world and there are 7.5 billion infected by sin? I want you to put that in perspective. Of those 7.5 billion people infected, every single one of them, every last one, are going to die from it and endure the effects of it for eternity. Every last one. See, the vast majority of those who get the coronavirus are going to recover. I mean, but not those that are in sin. They're not. You don't recover from sin. You only die from it. And the first time, you die physically. The next time, you die spiritually to be separated forever from God in a place called the lake of fire. Turn, if you would, to Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. The Bible says in chapter 20, beginning in verse 11, And I saw a great white throne. This is not the judgment of which the church will stand before God. We'll be at the judgment seat of Christ. But this judgment will include all those who have failed to receive and accept the Lord Jesus Christ and to believe by faith in Him. And it goes on to say, And I saw a great white throne and Him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Well, I'll tell you what, if you neglect grace, then it's works you're going to have to depend on. That's kind of scary, isn't it? Because our works never add up, do they? And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. The world has a pandemic that to this point has infected only about 150,000 people around the world. Of the 7.5 billion, 150,000 have been affected. But may I tell you that we are turning this world upside down to meet the need of those affected. 
Think about this for a minute. Put it into perspective. You know why we're turning the world upside down? You know why billions and billions are being spent? You know why, why the, the NBA shutting down and the, the NFL shutting down? It's over people that might get an illness that they'll more than likely recover from. The difference is that COVID-19 is perceived as a real threat in the eyes of the world. While sin is not. Sin's not considered a threat. But see, that's not really the problem, is it? We understand why the world wouldn't look upon sin as a real threat. We understand why the world doesn't want to invest billions and billions of dollars. We get why we're not going to shut down the NBA, why we're not going to have prayer in, 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 in the stadiums. We're not going to go ahead and say, by the way, before we start the game, we're going to preach the gospel. We understand that because they're lost. They don't understand spiritual things. But they understand what's taking place today. They, 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 it's very real to them because it's, it's affecting their economy. It's affecting the world. It's affecting others around them. And, and, and in many cases, they're trying to protect themselves for the future. And they're making decisions based on the fact that there are folks that potentially could die. There are people that could be infected. And may I say today, it's a real legitimate threat. Yes, indeed. But my friend, billions and billions of dollars are being focused and spent and directed in those areas. While there are trillions of people dying and going to hell. And I don't blame the world. But as believers, shouldn't we have a proper perspective? As believers, should not we understand that everywhere we go, people are infected by this virus called sin. Everywhere we go, they're dying and everywhere we go, if they don't get saved before they close their eyes in death, they'll spend an eternity separated from God. This has been somewhat of a wake-up call to me. As I watch how the world has mobilized to stop a, a pandemic that in reality... Most young people may not even know they have it, or if they do, they'll have the sniffles potentially from what I'm reading lately. We're dumping billions into it because the world says it's a real threat. Well, what about us? Don't we consider souls a threat? Don't we consider sin a threat to humanity? How have we sacrificed in our own personal giving? How have we sacrificed in our own personal effort? What steps have we taken to say, this is important to me? It's a real threat. And I want to encourage you, as you go forward, to recognize and realize that the world's going to die and go to hell without Jesus Christ. Hey, listen, I do not know exactly how to fight the virus. And I'm not convinced anyone at this point has figured it out exactly. But I do know how to fight the scourge of sin. I do know how to deal with those dead in sin. I do know what an all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-present God says to every man, woman, boy, and girl who is in need. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the Lord Jesus himself. It's the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I don't know who you have the opportunity to be in contact with, and I know we're trying to be careful in who we do that with. But I want you to keep in mind 
the opportunities that may be afforded because so many are afraid right now. Maybe you still are attending your work and there's going to be a co-worker there that has been somewhat hardened by sin. Let me tell you, they may be much more open now because of the fear that this pandemic has raised. May I say that their sin disease is much more of a concern to God and ought to be more of a concern to us than any virus because it's going to take every life without question. Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Isn't that wonderful? See, we need to go to God in this time. But we also need to help others find Him. And long after this is done, however it goes and however it ends, may we not forget that there are 7.5 and growing every day that have the disease of sin. And if there is one thing we ought to be more concerned about than anything, It's about the souls of men and women, boys and girls. Because that is an eternal, eternal sentence. I wonder, do you know Christ as your Savior today? I hope you do. If you don't know it, listen, I'm not trying to scare people. As you can tell, I'm trying to say, let's at least stay calm here. Let's just watch this thing happen. But let's be honest, too. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We never have known. He does, but we don't. Are you ready? If for some crazy reason, some crazy reason, you became a fatality, would you have the necessary faith to avoid hell and to live forever in the presence of Jesus Christ? So are you trying to scare people? Man, if I could scare you into heaven, I'd do it. I'd do it. But I do want you to realize salvation is of the Lord. They need the cross of Jesus Christ. They need the sacrifice that Jesus paid. If you're lost without Jesus today, it's him you need. And you receive him by accepting him, receiving him into your life. The Bible says, but as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He that hath the son hath life. He that hath not the son of God hath not life. Boy, do you have Christ in your life? Do you have life today at all? Because when it's all said and done, we're simply dead men and women walking through life until we meet the master. Just like the leper, the blind man, Lazarus, the dead one, until he touches us and raises us and heals us. We have no hope of everlasting life. You know him today as Savior and Lord. If you don't, won't you settle that today? Don't leave here without knowing. Don't gamble on eternity. Settle it today. And as Christians, as believers... Let's not allow fear to rule our lives. Let's let faith rule it. Faith in Him who is always steady. Use common sense. 
Some of the older folks in our church may feel need it necessary to stay home at some point. Hey, I understand those things. Use common sense. Use wisdom. But don't let fear make your decisions. Walk in faith. Let Christ be real to you. Have that peace of God that passes all understanding in the midst of all of this. Let him rule us. He is a faithful judge. He's a faithful God. Father, we come to you. We ask that you just bless us today. And Again, we thank you for all you've done and all you do in our lives. Father, just help us to never forget some of these things that we just talked about. Lord, may we always, Father, focus on you, recognizing and realizing, Lord, that this isn't taking you by surprise. May we remember who you are and remember what you've done and remember what you can do. May we not lose sight of those things as we navigate through the minefield of this pandemic. Now help us to keep our heads and keep our hearts in tune with you. And may we be wise. And may we, Father, be willing to rest in you. And as things take place, help us to always turn to you in prayer and in faith. For that person that's lost without Christ today, may they be saved. May they recognize their need of a Savior. Help them, Father, to make their way out of their seat in just a moment to the front where someone can show them simply the precious promises of your word and your book. And they too can receive and accept Jesus today and be settled and have a reservation in heaven. We'll thank you. We'll praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand. Every head bowed, every eye closed.